Welcome to the Absent Father Podcast, a weekly conversation where we discuss the impacts in all areas of our life of growing up with an absent father, how to overcome them, and the superpowers we create along the way. I'm your host, Rodney Miller, executive coach, MBA, and son of an absent father. You can learn more about me and get in touch by visiting www.rodneymuller.com. We got greatness by choice. We got gravity by chance. All right, welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Absent Father podcast. Again, I'm your host, Rodney Miller. Today's episode, I'm delighted once again to bring to you uh, uh, my guest today. His name is Mikey, uh, lives in uh, the northeastern part of the United States, I believe Maine. Um, uh, and he is a father of two young boys, and he shares his absent father story today, um, similar to me, although uh, he's now into his late 20s, early 30s, uh, but he has never seen a picture uh, or met his father at all. He's never seen a picture, uh, doesn't really know what he looks like uh, outside of some blurry Facebook image, uh, as he alludes to in the show later. Uh, And he really shares his story of growing up with uh, a father not being there at all uh, and not even having a sense of who he is or where he is, um, just the name and some kind of stories that show up uh, along the way in his life. Um, We talk about what it was like growing up, how he found success, some of the superhero powers that he has cultivated talk about the inner child and uh, some of the ramifications of that, as well as what it's like to be a father, uh, both the healing experience and how it's really made him a great father. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to Mikey and enjoy the podcast. Uh, Mikey, I want to welcome you to the to the show. Welcome to the Absent Father podcast. Uh, I'm delighted to have you on the show today. And uh, I thought we'd just start with just kind of getting to know a little bit about you before we get into the, the sort of absent father story. So tell me about you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, my name is Mikey. Um, and I currently, I live in Maine. I work for a tech company. I have two young boys. I'm, I'm happily married. I, I grew up in Massachusetts uh, with a single mom. Uh, I have a half brother uh, that I'm still I'm very close with. My uh, my my mom lives up here in Maine now as well. And um, I've had a lot of cool jobs in my life. I've gone to college. Um, I'm actually going back to school now uh, for uh, trade. So I'm trying to do some uh, HVAC work. Um, but I've had a I've had a lot of fun things have gone on and I've had some, uh, some struggles as well. Um, so. Awesome. Awesome. Well, well, thanks for that intro. And, uh, part of the reason I, w- I was really excited to talk to you is, um, you know, both from, from reaching out, it sounds like you had found the podcast, um, on your own. And, uh, I was excited too, as you shared kind of some of your own story, uh, there's certainly a parallel, um, in that, 
I think both of us had a similar experience in terms of our absent father. And, um, you know, for people listening, <clears throat> as we talk about the absent father podcast, um, you know, it certainly occurred to me in a very literal sense where my father was completely absent. It just was gone before I was born um, and hadn't seen a picture or met him until I was 13. Um, and yet absent fathers can occur in many different ways, whether it's um, a lack of emotional presence or through divorce or through um, maybe passing at a young age uh, or alcoholism, the list goes on. But um, for you, Mikey, I'd love to hear uh, if you could kind of tell us your absent father story. Yeah, so um, I've never met my father. I've never seen a picture of my father. So I don't have that point of reference of, you know, where do I get my, my looks from? So my mom says I get all my great looks and brains from her. Uh, so it's, it's, it's good that way. She's humble. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's very, very humble. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I grew up, uh, I was born in Massachusetts. Uh, my mom was 23 when she had me. Um, and then right from the get-go, you know, she was living at her parents' house, uh, her mom's house, and uh, raising me. So she worked, she worked the third shift at a, uh, at a tech company uh, there doing basically like security work. She literally walked around with like a, like a baton or something and like a walkie-talkie and checked in on buildings and stuff like that. Um, and for me, it was, it's still kind of like difficult, like to go and, you know, not have a, a, a father figure to look at and like that biological piece. I, um, I really just kind of just went along with a lot of stuff. My mom dated, uh, dated, uh, guys and like for a short while, like they'd be in my life and then they'd be gone. Um, she did get married, um, and then had a, uh, an, a son, another son, my younger, my half brother. Um, and that uh, marriage, how old didn't... were you, how old were you when she got married? Uh, he entered my, actually he entered my life at probably around one or two years old. Um, mm. but he was also, he had another family at the time too, and was mm. going through like a, a long divorce and stuff like that. So I would see him basically, on the weekends or something like that. And I'd always ask, like, is that my dad? And she's like, no, it's not your dad. That's, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's Joe. He's, uh, you know, he's my friend. He's my boyfriend. Um, and when uh, they got married, I was seven, seven and a half years old. So I was in their wedding, you know, like the little ring bearer and stuff like that. It was really, you know, cute. Um, and then uh, about a year and a half after that, they had uh, my, my brother, my young brother, and uh, that marriage didn't last very long. It lasted for about about three and a half years. They got divorced in '99. Uh, hmm. um, so that was, and at that time, that man uh, Joe was struggling with, you know, with alcoholism, gambling. He was just like I could tell. I could tell he was like a, a, a like a chronic liar all the time. I'd ask him one thing, he'd tell me another later on. Um, and then I started to realize, like this is not how to act as a man. And I don't know where I got that from really, other than like my, my best friend, Brendan's dad, like he was kind of involved in my life and would take me on to certain things, you know, take me to little like baseball games or we'd go fishing, you know, Brendan, his dad and myself. Um, so right from the early get go, I kind of like started looking at men for 
like, are you a real man? Are you, like, are, are you a good person? And I didn't get that with, with Joe. I didn't get that with um, a couple of my mother's other boyfriends after that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, well, there's there's so much in there. I mean, I yeah, I um, you know, I'd love to kind of narrow in on just mm-hmm. you know the experience with your absent father, and I I so like connect to that experience of um, you know, it's almost like part of your family tree is lopped off. Um, yeah, and uh, I'd love to just talk a little bit about that more like what are the stories that you heard um and i think in a little bit we can get to as well um that experience of uh you know having other men come into your life and you know many of them being disappointments um and kind of you know i think that some of our superpowers kind of come from that experience as well i i love what you shared about you know, you started to, it sounds like one, get very good at determining who was um, a man, who was trustworthy, who who could you relate to as a leader or learn something from, and who could you not? Yeah, and like like some of the stories that I got from, I guess to start with like some of the stories that I was told about my father, um, I was told that, you know, um, you know, what he did for work, he was like a machinist, uh, in a, for a, a gun company. Um, and then I heard other stories, you know, that, um, you know, um, he didn't have a job and those are coming from like one coming from my mother, like him having like a good job. And then the other story, like the, the story of not having a job coming from my grandmother. And I don't know if that was for, I kind of, I kind of feel like it was for like protection and stuff from my, from both sides. I don't know, um, to be 100%. Um, but I would, I'd ask stories, I'd ask, you know, do you have a picture? Do you have anything, you know, kind of like grasping at straws to find out just like a little piece, even if it was like a, like a small school photo or something like that, you know, like Mm -hmm. some type of memento from that just to, to have, and I never had any of that stuff. So it was very difficult. And then I ended up hearing stories that, you know, he, you know, he was a womanizer. He was that like, uh a liar and all that horrible stuff and it like mm-hmm. to be a little kid to hear that about your father it kind of puts you in this like weird mindset i would think or like at least that was for me um that i like i didn't want to be that and immediately from a little kid you know six seven years old being like i will never be like that to my family mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. so like that was like from that moment on i was immediately like I will never, ever do that. I will be there for my family 100%. And I am. That's super cool. I can't wait to get into that piece. And, um, you know, just hearing you share a little bit about who you are as a father, it's super inspiring. Um, And I do think, you know, uh, it is one of the gifts of, um, you know, growing up with an absent father. And I I sort of, I notice that there's a lot of people like us that... um, including my siblings who came from the same absent father, uh, which I'm going to have them on the show uh, together. And it's very interesting because like there's four of us um, that I didn't meet until after I was 13 and um, I didn't even know about. And uh, we had the same father, but all four of us have a different story. Um, 
Um, but one of the things that I'm present to with them and with other men that I meet and people I see like, uh, the former president, Barack Obama, I'm like, he is, he has an absent father story. That's very profound. And you can see the connection to his commitment to being present as a father and also to being an overachiever and working super hard and, um, all the sort of traits. So, um, I did want to, I am curious, you know, for me, there's sort of these touch points along my life that, that really stand out in my relationship to my absent father, um, from, you know, being four or five, which I feel like are the kind of the earliest memories of like, I don't remember a specific moment, but just remembering, um, being with the question, you know, where's my do I have a dad? Like, where is a dad? And uh, funny enough, my first words were dad. Um, I don't know where that came from, but, um, you know, I remember that, like just being in that inquiry at such a young age um, and kind of putting it together then. And, uh, uh, you know, as you shared about kind of connecting with other friends, fathers, um, and this sort of yearning, this innocent yearning, you know, as a young person, like in seven and eight and nine and 10. Um, and then, you know, for me, the first time I ever talked to my father was I was 13. He called me on the phone and said, Hey, this is your father. Uh, and by the way, I have terminal cancer and I'd like to meet you. Oh boy. Yeah. That was yeah. kind of heavy for a 13 year old. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a real, it's a real introduction. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but there's these different touch points and I was really curious about yours, you know, like kind of from, from a young age to throughout your life. And, uh, you know, I know you shared recently that, uh, your mom had found him on Facebook and I'd love to hear, even though that it sounds a little painful just to hear that experience as well. So, yeah. So actually it was, it was very interesting. Um, it was, uh, it was about three, actually it was a little over three years ago. So my wife was actually pregnant with my second child, uh, our second child. And, um, it was really odd. I went over to her, to her house and she had some friends up from Massachusetts, like, like high school friends. And, um, I was just like, um, she was asking me how, you know, how my wife was and I saw her, Oh, she's good. She's just getting over morning sickness. And then, you know, my mom immediately understood cause I hadn't told her at the time that she was pregnant. So we're only like a few, uh, I think probably like 12 weeks into it. Um, and my, my mom was like, Oh, Oh wow. You know, getting really excited about it. And then she's like, I have something really exciting to tell you. Um, and I was like, what? She's like, I found, I found your dad on Facebook. And I was just like, really? And immediately like, put out like the, I wanted to, you know, the excitement of like my, my second son coming into, into, you know, um, coming into this world. And I was like, gotta show me the Like, do you have a picture? Do you have anything like, you know, completely just switching out and getting onto Facebook and looking and like the picture was completely blurry. Hmm. Like couldn't see, like I saw gray hair and that was it. Like you couldn't make out the face or anything. Like it was like the most overexposed like picture you could see. And like, why would somebody use this as a profile picture? Hmm. So I reached out. What was it like in that moment for you? Like, were you excited or shocked or 
I was really excited to like when my mom told me that like she had found him and I was like because like I had been searching for ever since Facebook came out you know like except for like when it was in the college phase you know you had to be in college and end up having it so when they like released it to like the general public and I was like all right let me see and just started searching for what I knew his name was so like you know short name first name and basically adding those people as friends. So I acting like a crazy person for a better part of a year and a half, two years. Mm. Um, and then when I got that, when she told me, I was beyond excited. I was like, oh, you, you found it. You sure that's him? You know, basically like, you know, grilling her to make sure that she was correct. Because I had already had this, like, these letdowns before. Mm. Um, and then the moment that, like, I got to see the, the photo, the blurred out photo. And I was just like, oh another another letdown but okay i'm gonna i'm gonna reach out to him and i didn't reach out to him honestly for about two months mm. after that um because what do you say i didn't i didn't know what to say like hey i'm your your son you didn't know about me potentially like i how do you i don't know how to like you know i can't imagine even like if i walked in like if i if i if i'd seen a picture and then seen him in public i don't even know if i'd be able to do that either but I ended up doing it. I, I reached out and I was like, Hey, um, you know, my name's, my name's Mikey. Um, I, I, I'm your son and I'd like to, to talk to you and get to know you and get a picture of you. And I'll send some pictures of, of my family. You have, you know, you have, uh, you have one grandson and uh, another one on the way. Um, and never responded never responded at all and i made two two more attempts after that um and still nothing so it's i just i kind of let it go hmm. and maybe eventually i'll reach out again um but as of right now like i've gotten this far in life without him so it's yeah. And again, I just keep going back to, I won't be, you know, I won't be um, absent from my kid's life, you know, from my family's life. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, um, you know, it, first of all, I, I'm just sorry that you had that experience, you know, I mean, it's like, I can just, I can just feel the sort of wave of excitement and like, wow. Um, you know, sort of from a basic level, like, wow, I just get to see a picture, like, and sort of quench this insatiable curiosity I've had my entire life. Like, what do I look like and why? And what's this other sort of side of my family history that is sort of lopped off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You, you have no real point of reference a lot of the times maybe i think maybe if you you have a picture you can say like oh that's i get my nose from there my ears from there you know um but when you don't have any of that stuff it's it, like you know you you're like you said your your family tree is just cut in half yeah. and it's so difficult that way because you're trying to figure out and i think with folks that you know boys or girls you know children when they see their mom they see their dad they can kind of put those pieces together and say you know i get you know my mom's great spirit from 
uh, you know, I get my, my, I get my great spirit from my mom. I get my sense of humor from my dad, put them together. You kind of made me. And then now I get to go and make myself. Um, for me, I was constantly looking for a lot of that stuff and, and even like striving, like, you know, seeing my friends, dads and stuff and trying to emulate them too. these men that I found to be, you know, great men, they're present men. And I just, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, I was like, okay, like Brendan's dad, I'm going to act like him. He's, you know, he works hard. He saves money. You know, he takes his family on trips um, and he loves his family. And I'm going to be like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, um, you know, the other thing that I wanted to share that I, I really connected with just in your story that, that you shared is, um, and I remember this throughout different parts of my life, uh, where, you know, certainly the first time that I was going to meet my father, um, and, you know, I met him when I was 13. It was strange. I mean, you know, I can't imagine, I'm like, I think about now, like my kids and I don't know how it is for you, but I'm like that kind of emotional and psychological weight of like, this is your father. Uh, it's, it's almost like as serious as in star Wars, you know, he finds out that Darth Vader is his father. I'm like, wow, I never thought about that until this moment, but I'm like, man, that must've been pretty psychologically heavy, even for a Jedi. Um, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, I always just, I, I, I wonder for a lot of people and for my, like for myself, like that moment of like me meeting my father of was really that, Oh, I got this blurry Facebook photo that I can't make out any details. in. that's, that's all I have right now. I don't know what his voice sounds like. I don't, you know, where do I get my voice from? Do I get it from my mom? I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so it's, to me, it's just like the, the weight of that. Yeah. It was, it's, it was there. It's probably, it probably still is there at times too. Like certain events like pop up. Um, I don't know for you, but like, I see like certain movies, like I can't watch certain like family movies hmm. that are like super, super emotional with like the absent father. Cause like I break down, I literally break down. Um, and it's, I was talking to my wife about that the other day. I was like, Heidi, I don't know why. Like I watch these like sappy, you know, Hallmark movies. And then like, she's not not blubbering. I'm blubbering. And then I walk out of the room and, you know, and I, I think it's good though, too, for, for me to let those emotions out. Obviously, if you don't like, they're going to come out some other way. And that's the thing, you know, I had reached out to you. Like, do you get these like little like bursts of like, you know, sadness, anger, you know, and yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, uh, there's two threads there. I mean, the, the, the one piece that I wanted to share and I, I'd love to talk about the movie piece. Um, but, you know, just noticing that there's these parts of us, you know, even, even, even when we're, you know, far into adulthood, that's like, um, you know, I can just hear when you saw the Facebook, when your mom shared that, you know, she found him on Facebook. I don't know about you, for you, but for me, every time that there was something like that, um, where I would talk to my father, which we talked on the phone a few other times. And, um, there was a part of me, although most of me had long moved on, there was a part of me that like a small part of me that was still like, maybe, maybe the father I always hoped for will be there. And then 
you know, I, I remember a conversation when I was like 19 driving back to college and I don't know if I decide I must've decided to call him and he answered and we were talking and it was just in this hilarious Arkansas accent, him talking the entire time, you know, not asking about me at all. And it was just another one of those moments of like, Oh, um, and so I just want to presence that part. I can just hear that, you know, there's that small part of us, that innocent part. That's like, maybe, maybe this will be the time that the father is here. And then I feel like people that have had our experience, um, it's just a series of cuts along the way where that part of you gets re-disappointed um, over and over. Yeah, I think it's like the, for me, I, I, I think it's like the inner child, you know, mm-hmm. that child that's still wanting to tug on their parent's leg, you know, their dad's leg or, you know. Um, and if you, you don't have that, it's it's real, like you said, yeah, it's another disappointment you have to you kind of harden yourself. You get these calluses every time that they show up, but what is the callus actually covering? And it's, it's covering this emotional wound because of that presence being missing. So like, yeah, you, you, I get, you know, people will ask me, you know, how's your mom? You know, how's your dad? I'm like, and I still respond like my stepdad, Mm -hmm. stepdad's good. I don't, it's not my, my dad He's my stepdad. Um, and I can share some of that with, you know, the relationship that I've had with him too. Like I've had disappointments with, even with my stepfather, you know, saying like, Hey, you know, I'd like to adopt you. And I think I put that in that um, that message to you. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was like, yeah, that would be great. You know? And I was like, I'll give up, I'll give up my last name and then I'll be kind of born, born again that Mm -hmm. way. And, um, he never did it. So it was just like, it's like, okay, yeah. you, you don't really want me. Hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a couple, couple things in there, you know, I, um, well, are, are you okay? Do you need a moment or? No, I'm okay. I'm okay. okay. Thank you. All right. Um, well, one is I wanted to share, um, you know, as I was talking about the, the inner child without saying the inner child, um, <laughs> <laughs> it just reminded me of how awesome it is to to be in this um this community of people because um the people that I meet that have had this experience it's just like have a depth and groundedness and wisdom that is unbelievable and so I meet a you know <laughs> Uh, somebody who doesn't feel like a stranger to me, but is ultimately a stranger. And, you know, within, you know, 20 minutes, we can talk about the inner child. And um, I just want to 
acknowledge and celebrate that as it's truly a superhero trait, a superpower um, that you have to, you know, you're not a trained psychotherapist. No. This is not your thing. <laughs> and it's like, but you get it at this deep level. And um, it's such a gift as a leader or as a husband or father. Um, and I really, really celebrate that about you and the collective us in this community. Yeah, no, thank you. But, uh, you know, but, you know, you, you've created something to yourself. You know, you've put together this podcast and I like, just out of a whim, I was looking up stuff for, you know, for parenting. Like, how do I, you know, connect better with my boys kind of like as an absent, you know, as an absent child or as a, as a, a child of an absent father, what do I do? Like, what do I teach my kids and stuff? Like, like I know, like, even though having had those models, those, uh, my friend's parents or, you know, friends, uh, dad's being that way. What, what should else should I, I, I show them? And, you know, at work, I work in tech, so I'm at a computer, um, I'm usually multitasking so many things, but I'm always listening too. So I'm like, all right, let me put on a, a podcast. And I ended up finding yours just like, like super random, but it was like, it was like a super blessing too to find it. I was like, well, let's look up, you know, fathering. And then yours came up and I was like, all right, let's listen to this first episode. After I had read through the description, I was like, oh, wow, this is, I'm immediately subscribing to this and I'm, you know, I'm going to be listening to this. And I got five episodes in and I was just like, I'm now hooked. And like, and then I ended up having, I had to reach out to you because I was just like, what, what do I do? What, what do you, you know, what do you suggest, you know? Um, and whereas you're creating this, you're helping put together this community that was already, was always there, but nobody, maybe nobody wanted to talk about it, you know, yeah. too. So. Yeah. Well, it's not always easy to talk about and, um, um, I'm really grateful that you, you found it and that people are finding it in that way. It's so, it's so cool. You know, I think that, uh, all the way back, it just started as sort of my own process, you know, yeah. um, was on the Oprah had a life class, uh, many years ago about fatherless sons. I talked about in the podcast. Um, but from that, what is what started the absent father project, which was really just, a me writing for the first time about my own experience and then uh, not intending to share it with anybody because <laughs> I was too was so vulnerable and raw. Um, and I thought, well, it probably would help one person to know that they're not alone. Um, and there's so many of us. Um, yeah. But, you know, and I, I find it, you said earlier, you know, it's like a strength and such. And uh, nowadays I feel like I'm the, even probably even since I was like seven or eight years old, I feel like I'm the oldest person in the room or, you know, or the most mature person in the room. And it's not to, to be cocky about it or, or arrogant about it. It's just like, it's where I put myself, my mindset, I put myself like I worked uh, in college. I worked in a monastery with 17, uh, 17 brothers and fathers. And, you know, it was really interesting to, to work that way because, you know, the youngest one in there was 74 years old. And I used to call them my kids when I was, you know, working with them in there. And I worked as a, as a private chef. So to me, like food, cooking as food, like cooking food for them was like the best thing, you know, because I got to sit down with them and have like a meal with them and talk with them and stuff. And it was just, was all guys. And 
to have that like little community of, of men to, to talk with was just, it was phenomenal. It was such a huge growing path for me. You know, I'd make their, you know, if I, you know, I'd make their breads, I'd make breads, I'd make all the meals for them, you know, and that was like, to me, it was like, I'm a 20, I'm a 22, 23 year old kid going to college, but I'm also in charge of this little house too. So I was, I felt like the oldest person there always. That's so cool. It's really interesting too. You know, I I remember as I was growing up, I was always drawn to older people. Like I I always didn't really feel like I totally fit in with people my age. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You know, you'd like, I went, I used to go to the library, the, uh, one of the the public library in, in, uh, in Worcester Mass. And I'd always go over to the where the older guys were playing chess. They had like chess tables set up with these older folks. And my uncle would take me down there. And I, I looked, I really did look up to my uncle a lot too, but he was fighting his own demons as well. A lot of alcoholism. And and I could see too, like, you know, you got to be careful of that stuff. Um, but yeah, we'd go to these, I would go to the, the library and I would just hang out with these older men and just talk with these guys and listen to them and, could relate to them i felt like i had aged with them mm-hmm. in certain things and like you know you hang out with i wanted to put away those childish things when i'd get to like school i didn't like i played sports and stuff but like i didn't want to be like playing with toys and stuff like that i wanted mm-hmm. to get to work almost too but you have that realization like hey i'm seven eight yeah nine i'm 15 years old i've got to still be a kid otherwise where am i going to be yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I wanted to pull through uh, two quick things, you know, and cool. one is, you know, I, I, you know, we paused a bit, um, you know, as you were sort of just connecting to that experience um, with your, with your stepdad. And um, I wanted to pause there only because, you know, I think in some ways part of the gift of this conversation is um and I, I bet you probably even are already aware of this, but, you know, when I think back about my father, for example, um, or other men in my life who, you know, I wish had shown up differently, but didn't, um, it, you know, even, even my own stepfather, although he was, you know, looking back, I, I feel like I'm in a better place where I can appreciate him for where he was and how he was with me. Um, but one of the things that I got so present to, you know, um, we take it extremely personally as how could you not, you know, when your father's not present in your life or when he doesn't respond or when your stepdad says he'll do something and he doesn't as significant as adoption. Um, and then I, I, I mean, partially, I think, informed by my experience of myself and working with lots of human beings in, in their, you know, and what they do with pain and what they do with fear. Um, and I think particularly for men, and I think this actually really explains um, the uh, epidemic sounds like a really strong word, but it's true. Like this lack of presence amongst men, particularly as a father is like, you know, I think often when men are afraid or feel like they can't do it right, or they get afraid about money or 
our sort of answer to that is avoidance. We avoid saying what we feel, uh, cleaning it up. Um, we respond like boys and it's not an indictment as much as like, yeah, that's what, that's what unfortunately so many men do is when they feel like they aren't perfect at something, they just, they just avoid it and check out. Um, and what I love about you and, um, I love about the opportunity we have now, uh, to not just impact absent fathers and the people who they brought into the world, but, but men, you know, changing the conversation amongst men where it's not, you don't have to be perfect, but it's also not okay to just check out, like, just, just talk the words. <laughs> it's, I think it's also just trying too. I think so often folks don't want to try. And that's like the hardest thing. It's like they've quit before they've even started. Like you said, they avoid it. They check out, they run away and you can't do that. Like, you know, your child is going to learn from you. And if you check out, they're going to check out because they will emulate those things. Maybe not then, maybe, but later on, they're probably going to do it as well too. Um, for, you know, and, I don't know where they end up. Like for myself, I was lucky that I don't know why I just was able to recognize like, Hey, you know, you're not acting like a man. And I don't even know what a man should act like, but I know what you're acting like is not like a man. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I don't know why people like aren't present with their kids. Like for me, it's like you have something so precious right there that's a part of you, you know, and it's, I just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I tell, and if you're afraid to, of failing, you're better off to fail than to not just never try. It's, you'll learn somebody, you know, ask for help. A lot of folks don't want to ask for help with a lot of things. And I, I, like my wife says, like, I'm the king of asking for help for, thir for things. Like I had to replace a roof on our house and I never learned how to do any of the carpentry and stuff like that. Um, and I asked him, why is that at my church? I said, I need help. I don't know how to do this stuff. And the amount of support that I got was incredible. Hmm. People want to help, but they can't help you if you don't ask them. They don't know. And if you don't say anything, they can't help you. Like that's that's a great. They look at you great like lesson. Mike's doing fine. He's totally fine. He's super happy. We're down inside. You're you're freaking out. You're having like a scare. You know, saying like, I don't know what to do. Like everything's closing in. You get that claustrophobic feeling. Whether it's like you said, money, um, or just that emotional thing. Like I've even asked some of the dads at my church. Like, hey, you know, you know, my boy's acting like this. What would you recommend doing? Like, how you know. A lot of those guys will come beside come beside you and say like, "Oh, this is what I do." You know, when you know when when you know little Timmy is acting this way, I say, "You know, you know, I'll take him out in the car. We'll go for a drive and stuff, and we have a better conversation that way." Sometimes there's just too much stuff going on around the house. Like, oh, I never thought of that because I didn't have that. So you you have to ask for help. Yeah, and it's okay well, I, I love that. I love that. Um, 
I love that you're sharing that lesson because I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. You're right, Mikey. Like I do need to ask for help. And, uh, you know, something that, um, I'm really trying to learn this year. You know, I got, and I imagine you too, got really good at doing stuff by yourself, but, um, it's actually normal to ask for help and to get supported and to get partnered. And I also think that it's probably part of the reason that so many men, um, get, overwhelmed to such an extent that it leads to alcoholism or acting out in other ways or avoiding or not showing up. It's like, um, just in that arena. So, um, I wanted to touch base on this movie situation and, um, um, any of the other parts that I think are part of the absent father story. And then I'd love to talk about being a father too, because I, it's, I was really interested in, you know, hearing about, you know, what it's like to be a father to two young boys, particularly. Um, but it, it's so funny. Um, uh, I don't know if you've been seeing the Top Gun trailer uh, for the movie that's coming out in the summer. I just saw it the other day. Somebody at work was like, you need to see this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really funny because so, uh, you know, that came out when I was um in probably a freshman in high school. And uh, it was like my, you know, if you, I don't know what my favorite movie is, but if you had to ask me, like, I would be like, it's Top Gun. Um, And I watched it a bazillion times and it probably led me to joining the military. Um, And uh, I remember the first day that I wore a uniform because I had like, you know, kind of dark hair and uh, I was young looking and in the military. And the first thing that somebody called me was Maverick to which I was like, thank you very much. Except for the (sighs) fact that Tom Cruise is kind of weird, but he's cool in Top Gun. And you know, what's, what's crazy is when I watched that movie much later, um, I didn't realize until I was watching that there was so much, father relationship stuff in that movie and now as i watch movies there it really is covered quite often and i i i'm curious about the movie piece just because for me uh i remember being in my mid-20s and sort of the story i would say is that um you know i don't i don't really cry i'm not that emotional i think i took pride in the fact that i was able to you know deal with anger and sadness I guess in a way that was very um balanced I suppose (laughs) but in movies in commercials um there would be certain things that would just have me cry or have me be emotional oh yeah absolutely yeah I I think it was probably 93, 94 or something like that. I went to the movies with my grandfather and even just the other day, I had one movie that my wife was playing that made me cry and she's not crying. But like, I remember one, it was a, it was like a father son movie. And I think it was like a, it's like a Jonathan Taylor Thomas movie and Chevy chase. I can't remember the name of the movie at the top uh, right now, but like Jonathan Taylor Thomas is like getting like basically trying to, become friends with this with chevy chase as his stepfather and stuff like that and there's a scene where they're supposed to go on like a camping trip and chevy chase gets into a car accident and doesn't make it and like all the other friends leave for this father-son trip and i was like oh no like this is this is my my life and the kid starts crying and i just start crying like 
fell apart at the movie theater. My grandfather was like looking at me like, are you okay? Like, and I, and he didn't get that cause he, his dad was present mm-hmm. in his life. So like, and now like we were watching a, a Hallmark movie a couple days ago and it was this like kind of a sappy story, but like I started blubbering. Like my wife looked over at me and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, it's like, ah, it's just, these moments they hit you so hard like those little they open up those little wounds and it's it's really difficult at times and like i've been i'll ask my wife i don't know why i'm crying i have no idea why i'm crying but i really do and it's like i don't want to talk about it but i do want to talk about it and that's like the Mm -hmm. best way to get get through it totally yeah and i i think for many years i would just um and i probably still do this to some degree but i would um when the emotions came up i would be like you know either intentionally or unintentionally i quickly shut them down oh yeah Um, yep and one of the things that i've practiced probably you know through the work of, of being a coach is really learning that those are great opportunities i mean i think for many people that grow up with an absent father we sort of stuff down the emotion um, because we we become super resilient and reliable and independent and like able to be like whatever comes at us, we're calm under the storm. Yep. Um, but I really realized, you know, creating the space um, and sometimes even watching a sad movie on purpose to and practicing allowing the expression of grief and sadness um, has been a, it's really a huge gift. And I think you're right. Like it, it's important. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think you, you say you have to go through those. You have to like open up that bottle of emotion and to work through it. And I think it's important. And I, I still like, I like some of those cheesy movies, like, and I don't mind crying. Like sometimes my, my boys will see me crying and they're like, what's wrong, dad? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, it was just a sad movie. And they're like, Oh yeah, it was sad. You know, like, I think it was like homeward homeward bound i remember crying mm. during that like with like chance like come on chance you can do it mm. and we watched that recently and i still had that little moment of like a tear in my eye and my boys picked up on it immediately and mm. that's like and i'm so like proud of them for a three-year-old and a five-year-old to like are you okay are you all right you know and just giving me hugs and i'm like mm. this is what my dad missed mm. you know yeah 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 um, yeah, one of the other movies for me was Field of Dreams. Oh, um, yeah. And I never, <laughs> again, it's interesting because like they were like my favorite movies. Um, but I didn't, I think until I got older, I didn't realize how many father undertones or major overtones there were. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I still, when I watch Field of Dreams, I cry like at the most random parts. But, um, um, so I want to get to the boys um, sure. because I think that, and I think I want to have it in two conversations because, you know, one of the things that I really love and also connect with about your story is how I'm just imagining you like a sort of um, explorer, you know, from a young age, like finding, you know, who, who should I not be like, and who should I be like, and sort of navigating those waters. Um, And, you know, one thing that you said um, about 
that experience of sort of finding father figures or role models um, and then also, which was awesome, right? Because you collected how to be a man and collected sort of this conglomerate of what it what I should be as a father and a man and a leader and all sorts of things, right? As a husband. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like getting hit along the way with like, oh, but but you're still not my father or my family. Um, so I'm curious about like, can you share with me about that experience? And then I'd love to talk about, you know, how that informs you as a father and what it's like with boys and all that. So I, I, you're, yeah. So I guess like some of those, like, are you talking about like my, my, my stepfather part? You want to talk about that a little bit? Well, or? yeah, I think what I was connecting to, like, even today, there's still these memories that stick out in my mind. Like I, uh, when I was like eight years old going to a baseball tournament and I had to stay the night at my friend's oh, yeah. house and his dad came and woke us up and I was like, wow, that was interesting. I wish that my dad would come and wake me up to go to the thing or, um, you know, even with my stepdad who is still present in my life and was there and treated me fairly sort of always like, well, this is kind of nice but I'm still not like, and he never said this or really treated me that way, but always still feeling like, yeah, but I'm not your actual yeah. son. Uh, yeah. 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 So I, I would go on like events with uh, my friend Brendan and his dad. He, they, they always went up to this little Island in Maine, uh, kind of weird too, coming out of Massachusetts. Um, and they would always go on a, uh, two times a year, they would go on, on a camping trip to this little Island in Maine and from second grade, my, I met Brendan in second grade. And from second grade, we were best friends. Actually, I beat him up uh, by, uh, in second grade. And my how mom, the best best friendships start? It always is a sucker punches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and my mom, my mom, I had never seen my mom so disappointed at me when I had done that too. And it was like this really important part because she was like you go and apologize and you are now going to be his friend no matter what. Like, and I was just like, what are you talking about? Like, like I was like, I don't like him and stuff. And then I went and I apologized to him and he was like, you know, really nice about it and stuff. And I didn't really hurt him that bad or anything, but it was just like boys, you know, second grade boys in a Catholic school fighting. Um, and from then on, we've been best friends, but his pa- his dad, um, always like would take us on these camping trips. And I remember like they had a father son weekend and, and his dad took us. So we were up there from Friday to Sunday. So we had to pack this little pop-up trailer. Um, and we drove this little pop-up camper. We drove all the way up to Maine. So it was like six hours, you know, cars weren't allowed to go that fast on the highway like they do now, but everybody piled in the two boys piled in and, um, uh, Brendan's dad and, Brendan's brother-in-law got into the vehicle and they all drove up and his brother-in-law had, um, uh, Sean, he was in the car too. So there's all these boys showing up and dad showing up and I'm by myself, but I didn't feel like I was by myself at that time though too, but you'd still get those moments. And we all went fishing, uh, for striper. It's like a bass, like a sea bass. And we're like on the rocks, like fishing all morning, all afternoon. And I'm just there trying to like get my, 
fishing rod together and stuff like that. And I just remember like saying to like to Brendan's dad, I'm like, like, I was like, I really wish I knew what I was doing here. And he literally stopped what he was doing. Like he, I think he had even had like a fish on the line, like literally stopped and like put it down and helped me, you know, like he sacrificed his little enjoyment to help me get, you know, my stuff together. And it was so nice that way. And then like, he even let me reel his fish in later on in the day. Like I had never caught a, a fish hmm. like that. You know, it was like the first time doing that. And I was like, I was hooked on fishing then. And I was like, this is what you, this is what you're supposed to do with your kids and stuff. And I'm like, okay, this is what I'm getting as a, as a moment. Hmm. With him. Like went back, we caught, like brought the fish in. We went back, he showed me how to clean it. We cooked it. And I was just like, wow, that like, this is, you know, I'm eating it. I'm like, if I had my, if I had a dad right now, I'd probably be doing this with my dad right now. Mm. So like, you get that moment of like, here's some joy. Here's a little bit of sadness. What do you do with it? You know? Yeah. It's so, so moving. And thank you. Um, Brendan's dad, Brent's dad. Brendan's dad. Brendan's dad. Thank you, Brendan's dad for being that kind of guy. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, such a gift. And, and there are so many, you know, I think many men along the way that, um, you know, offer that opportunity, probably some of which I refused. Oh, absolutely. Um, I did the same thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, no, you're not my dad, you're not my dad. If I was forced into those situations, like what I was with the camping, like Brendan's mm-hmm. dad was not taking no for an answer of me not going with them. He's like, you're part of the family, you're going. Yeah. And I was like, so thankful for that because if I had let my emotions and my anger continue to control me, I, I probably would be an alcoholic. I probably wouldn't be somewhere else. I probably wouldn't have a family right now. Yeah. So, yeah. And also, you know, I think that that's the thing I hear and the, the sort of um, the pain of like, you know, there's the, these extremely joyful moments. You're like, yes, like I finally kind of have a taste of what it's like to have a father for just a moment coupled with, the knowing that um, you don't. And I, I think, I don't know if this is true for you, but I, there was always sort of like um, this underlying hypervigilance, like enjoy it, but not too much. Oh, don't absolutely. be too much. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you'd, I, I, I had birthday, I was, you know, you have birthday parties and mom's there. There's no dad there, you know, and you're like, looking around but then you go to another kid's birthday party mom's there dad's there even for some of the kids that like their parents were divorced like the dad shows up to the birthday party the mom's at the birthday party for me it was like i don't have a dad at my birthday party i don't have that and you go you know you have like you say you have those moments of little bits of joy you know, and if your parents are there for it, like your mom's there with you, but like your dad is grayed out in the picture or the memory, it's like this piece is missing on here. And it's, it only lasts for so long that, that happiness moment. And then yeah. Just a great memory on there. Yeah. All right. One other thing I got to share on this just because sure. I watched it last night and um, I realized I was having some tears as well, <laughs> uh, which was, uh, so I was watching, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a coach. That's my profession as a executive coach, leadership coach, life coach, whatever you want to call me. So I love coaching 
Um, and you're probably an undercover coach as well. Most of us are. Uh, and um, anyway, I was watching, uh, you know, elite coaches in sport are very similar. It's, it's, it's leadership and coaching and probably many elements of fatherhood as well. Um, but anyway, I was watching this HBO special with Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. So they're interviewing them. Uh, the two, uh, for those of you that aren't familiar, they're like the most successful football coaches in America. Uh, one in college, one in the NFL. And, uh, you know, even something like that where, and I'm sort of automatically listening almost when I hear people that are successful, um, especially in those arenas, um, whether it's sports or business or, you know, I'm listening for, you know, do they have a father? Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, of course in this story, Belichick and Nick Saban, you know, they're, they're sort of talk about how they're influenced by their fathers and they were coaches and, um, you know, it's just that those, those little twinges still occur like um makes sense that they're successful that they have that level of success because they had that um that kind of presence yeah and like you said yeah i i do do some undercover i guess undercover coaching um whether i realize it or not um most of the time i do and it's I think it's that part that we're trying to fulfill in ourselves, that little bit of emptiness or, or lack of, um, a lot of times, like I have coworkers that like, they even come up to me and ask me, like, Hey, I'm trying to do, you know, trying to lose weight. You know, and some of them are, are obviously overweight and they need some help and guidance and stuff like that. And I'm like, sure. What do you want to know? What, what can we start with? And like one of my coworkers, like I just immediately was like, just start eating one salad a day. Don't change any of the food or anything like that. Just start eating one salad a day or drink one more glass of water a day. And it's surprising that, you know, you get fulfillment from that too. Um, Even though I wasn't looking for that fulfillment, I just want to like help them. Um, And I've always been like a a person that just looks, try and help people. Um, Sometimes I'm a little bit more pushy though, too. I got to say, I don't think, I mean, I'm willing to consider that maybe there's a part of us that's like trying to fill something for us. But I also think it's a superpower that comes from being an absent, like growing up an absent or distant father, like, you know, that sense of wisdom that you had at a young age and a, and a deep empathy, like really understanding where people are without them telling you. Um, And this ability, like I can hear that in the way that people reach out to you. Like there's sort of this, um, you know, I learned over the years, I was like, people would talk to me. Um, and then at the end of the conversation, they would say, wow, I can't believe I shared all that with you. I never talked to people about that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I had, a. um, I, I get that a lot. Surprisingly, a lot of people just like, I, you'll get that. I feel so comfortable talking to you. Yeah. You know, like right now I feel very comfortable talking to you. Even though we're, we're what, an hour into being not strangers. Yeah. <laughs> Still, yeah. you know. Totally. Um, it's, it is, you're right. It is a superpower that, that empathy, empathy is that type of, that is that superpower as a, as a child of an absent father. Yeah. And it's, 
maybe I, yeah, I think I was probably using the wrong language or terminology yeah. for it, but no, all good. And, and I, and, yeah, I, I think that that ability to create a safe space, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, and I think this is a great segue into talking about, you know, your, your being a father and I'm kind of curious about, you know, both, um, how that's impacted you. I know having a young daughter, um, it's been, um, it's been a really healing experience for me and sometimes challenging because, um, I think that I'm so committed to being present that I'm really hypervigilant about where I'm not. Um, but also like, you know, what it's been like to see, um, see your your young boys grow up and like what that experience has been like as a father yeah so i have two boys um i have a, a five-year-old and a three-year-old um and my three-year-old weighs more than my five-year-old and they're not he's not overweight or anything but they're just like they basically are the same height and stuff it's hilarious to me because they're like and they're so different they're so different too mm. um and I can see the point. So I can see what they get from what they get from me. You know, some of the, both my, my wife and I, we both do art all the time. That's actually how we met. We met in an art store. Um, but they do, they both are creative with a lot of the stuff that they do. They both love to sing. Both my, you know, my wife likes to sing. I like to sing in the shower or in the car. Like when I'm driving with and the kids in the car, I sing, I sing a lot. I don't like to sing out in public and stuff. I have a little bit of that, like, you know, that, uh, stage fright on that. Um, but my boys, I get that moment to sing with them. And then I, I hear them singing the songs that we sing in the car. You know, my, my oldest will be, he'll be playing with his Legos and stuff at the, um, at his little, uh, his little desk. And I hear him singing those songs. And it's like, to me, it's like the most amazing thing to have, um, to have that mo- that memory of like my child is singing the song that we just sang the other day in a car that he had never heard before. Now he's singing it. Um, and like you say, you know, um, to be hyper vigilant on the things that you're, you're not doing as a parent or you're missing and stuff. I it took me a little while to not be a, what are that? What's that term? The helicopter parent and stuff. Yeah. Right. It is never like, like, don't do that. Don't get hurt. And I'm like, it's okay to get hurt when you're, you know, you're riding your bicycle. If you fall down, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's okay to fail on certain things. It's okay to, you know, scuff your knee. I scuffed my knee and I'm here and I'm okay, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm here with you and I'll make sure you're okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my boys, we have a really good routine in the morning. You know, I get up before them so that when they get up, they see me or they'll, you know, they see my wife. Um, but I always try to be up before them. And I sit with them and we'll just talk and read and play on the floor. Um, and then we exercise together. So um, I usually bring them up into the barn. I have like all my weights and stuff. And then I actually made them little weights too. So like out of wood and stuff. So they, they have the little dumbbells and they're lifting them and stuff That's like that. Adorable. <laughs> it, you know, and I'm so proud of them and I love them so much and I like, I'll take little videos and then I I'll share them at work with people. I'm like, here's, you know, the kids pushing around the, the weights and stuff. And, and, I'm, and I'm so moved by this imagery, like just, um, you know, tears coming to my eyes, just, just, um, seeing what a gift it is for them to have you as a father and, um, that, that, 
the level of presence and love and um, intentionality and that thing that you said about, you know, when they're hurt, you'll just be there and let them know it's okay that you got them. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I really celebrate, celebrate you for being that kind of dad. And um, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I, I remember uh, like two weeks after my daughter was born, um, you know, one, I was like probably scared, but I really wanted to be, it's like non-negotiable. I hear for you too. Like I have to be, I will be a present father, the one that I never had. Um, and then on the other hand, I was like, while I'm trying to be perfect, I'm like, wow, two weeks in, I've already been here more than my own dad. So I'm doing pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. good. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, yeah, I too, I was, I didn't sleep very much after uh, my first child was born. Um, and some of that was just like being so afraid, you know, like watch, I remember watching over him, like, as he slept and like, one being so thankful, but two being so scared too. I'm like, I don't want to mess this up, you know? Mm. And like, I remember praying and saying, please, you know, don't let me mess this up. And making that commitment, making that promise, you know, and, um, and we also, we had a really scary, the last like two days of the pregnancy uh, for my wife was really scary. My son was born right uh, a couple days after Christmas. So, um, uh, it was like, we went for trying naturally and then having an emergency C-section. And then, um, during that C-section, it was very scary too. So like, I just remember like, going like oh no what do i do what do i do and like being completely like at those points you're completely helpless i'm not a doctor um i can bandage somebody up i can probably like sew somebody up maybe i don't know um but i was just like everything is in these doctors hands my child's life is in my in the doctor's hands my wife's life is in the doctor's hands and like all of that and it was was really scary too because like when they wheel the they always wheel the wife in first for like those things and they have the the father wait outside and i remember pacing back and forth back and forth in this like gown like this like and i looked like a doctor people were like hello you okay i'm like I'm like what is going on in there and like it was only been like 10 seconds like right. you know so but yeah i just i'm always still the, i'm I'm a light sleeper anyway. So I'm always the first one up when I hear the kids like make a noise and stuff. I don't know if that's how you respond or not. Maybe you sleep, you know, that way. Um, <laughs> I think my wife is the, uh, the light sleeper. Um, uh, but I'm vigilant in other ways as yeah, in, yeah, like, no, no, yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, it was, yeah, it's, I try to, I, I try to get every moment I can in with them. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't want to miss a moment, but I know I'm going to miss moments. So I'm like the moments that I, like that I don't have to miss, I won't miss them. Try not to miss them, but also try a, not to be a helicopter pilot or a helicopter parent. Yeah. I got a question for you, um, sure. which is maybe totally off topic. And um, I don't know if you've thought about this before, but um, I noticed for the first time uh, recently um, getting really, scared um about 
dying, uh, which I've never had that experience before, but I was like, whoa. I was like, the I know the only thing ever that could separate me from my daughter is that. And I was yeah. like, I haven't thought about it a lot, but I was like, whoa, I really, that would be devastating to me to, to know that my daughter would be alone. Um, if, well, she wouldn't be alone, but you know, if I weren't here that, you know, that experience would be recreated in some way. Um, have you had that experience or? (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, I've been renewing, I had to renew my, my health insurance, my life insurance recently. And I ended up having those thoughts, like, what do I do? Like, obviously I can't do anything if I die. Like, well, you know, and that made me start thinking like, what have I set my, my boys up, my wife up for success when I'm gone? You know, Mm. I can, right now I eat well, I exercise. Um, I try to limit as much stress as that I have going on. Um, but it's like, I should be creating memories for them some way. And also, um, creating like little like treasure chests for them to find though too with Mm. things and it sounds weird but it's always been something that i've always thought of having because like i used to go through my um my uncle's dressers when um after he had my uncle had passed away when uh, i was um when i was nine years old and i was pretty close with him Mm. and i remember going through his dressers and finding things and like i found a a notebook that he had written about um certain things he had done in the day, kind of like a journal. Um, and then seeing that he had said, you know, um, my sister had a baby boy and I love him. So, wow. Uh, I think, I think we should all try to put those things down somewhere for mm-hmm. them to read later on. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Um, you know, it's interesting too. I, I, I think that it sort of leads to, um, you know, in a broader sense, um, logically, you know, you could do it to make you feel better. Like maybe there's a larger plan and trusting in something, you know, a higher power of some sort, however, whatever that is for you. But, um, you know, it's interesting too, because I, I, I think that in a way, because I'm so committed to being a good father and protecting um, my daughter, you know, and knowing, sort of being faced with, I can't control everything. No. I actually can't control much at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have this idea that we can control a lot of things and we can't, you know. And, um, for myself, like I am a Christian. I do believe in God. Um, uh, because, well, he was there for me when I wasn't, you know, and I didn't have anybody else there for me. So mm-hmm. and that doesn't align with a lot of people. And that's, that's okay. It's sad. Um, but, you know, for, for me, like, I have to, te- I try to teach my kids as much stuff that I know so mm-hmm. that they, they've learned something from me. And then that's all I can do. That's all I can control. I can control the things that I teach them. Mm-hmm. I can't control, you know, I can't, like you said, you can't control what you with everything, but that's stuff you can control. You can tr- control by being present with them. Yeah. Even if you're just sitting with them and talking to them, they may be playing and doing stuff. And a lot of people don't, 
they think, oh, they're not listening. They're always listening. They're always listening. Mm -hmm. They always want to be with you. Like the hard thing for me was like when I go to work and my little boy will say, you know, my oldest will say, daddy, will you come sit and play with me? It's like, I can't right now. I have to go to work, you know? But then the next day and we play for a while and even when I'm leaving and I know I've played with him for two hours in the morning and like we've read and we've done all, you know, we've made breakfast together and stuff. And he'll still say, daddy, will you play with me? Because mm-hmm. I just want to be with you. Totally. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, uh, you know, I, I think that might be a cool place to end. Cause you know, one of the things uh, that I ask when, when people are coming on, is like, you know, what, what's the thing that you want to leave people with? And I loved what you said about being present. Um, and it's, it's so interesting. I mean, like for us two, you know, like, like if we were talking to the, you know, 15 year old version or 20 year old version, and we said, you know, here's a dad that you could have if you could have chosen. And I imagine that the, those boys would be like, Oh my God, that's like the most extraordinary father possible in the world that I could have. Yes. I will take that. Um, and yet it's funny because I think that, and I don't know that I'd want to lose this, but we still sort of are evaluating our level of presence. And I think that there's, you know, holding them in both ways, like, you know, really being present, how extraordinary of a father that we are. Um, But I do think that there's also something um, to really thinking about presence, not just in the physical sense. And I'll never forget, I shared this on one of the episodes in the first season, but um, when I was on the Oprah's life class, uh, Ayanla Van Zandt, who is the sort of life coach working with Oprah, she said, to my wife, are you afraid that uh, your husband will abandon you or not be present in the way that his father was? And I was like, my reaction was, that was mean. Yeah. And then I was like, whoa, how am I not present? Um, Yeah. And uh, it's something I think about all the time. That was almost 10 years ago, something I think about all the time, uh, whenever I'm on my phone or yeah. in my stuff. So um, what are your, what are your thoughts about that? Like being present, um, beyond sort of the physical. Well, beyond the physical, uh, I sometimes, you know, you have to also sometimes not be present though too. And it's okay to not be present, but like to be completely absent is that's unacceptable. It's unacceptable that way. And it's hard. Um, and I just like, for me, like we do date nights, my wife and I, we do date nights and stuff. So I'm still present with her. I have to be present with her too, because I loved her first before I loved my children. Absolutely. So, you know, and some people are like, oh, that doesn't make sense. It does make sense because she and I are a partnership, you know, mm-hmm. and we created those two boys. And if she and I aren't connecting and aren't communicating and being present with each other, how can we be present for our children? Absolutely. Our children are going to see that. Yeah. 
And your children definitely want you to be together and Absolutely. love each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I've gone through like with my with my mom, I've gone through two divorces with her and I saw how she wasn't present with him, he wasn't present with her and it was horrible. Yeah. It was horrible. Yeah. And I I I remember being a, you know, a 15-year-old kid and telling her like you guys don't communicate at all. And to have a 15-year-old tell like is that like not like a, like an eye opener, like a slap in the face from your own child. It probably was. But it was like, I'm the most mature person in this room. This this stinks. Like, yeah. get your stuff together. Like, I remember, I don't know if you ever, did you ever counsel your mom at times? I, I know I did. Like, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. And probably much to her chagrin. I was, uh, you know, uh, but yeah, for sure. And I think I also sort of took that role on um, a little too much. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, at, at certain points. And yeah. now I've learned to, you know, kind of embrace more, a little more boundaries and trust her where she is. But yes, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. I love, I I love that piece. And, you know, what I was present to in, you know, as you were sharing about your boys, just how much care and attention you place on being um, emotionally present with them. And I also love that that sort of healthy balance, right? Cause um, you know, you could be overly present or helicopter parenty from a place of trying to make up for something that you didn't have, but that's not really about them. That's about you. Right. Yeah. And yep. so I just love, I just love, I'm inspired by who you are as a, as a father. And um, uh, I love that you also brought up, um, you know, really prioritizing your, your, your marriage and that relationship, because uh, I think about that too. And it's like, it feels every time still when we go out for a date, I'm like, Oh, I feel guilty because we have the babysitter and the babysitter is going to put her down. So we should be there. Um, And then I remember to look at it through the eyes of my daughter. What am I teaching her? Um, What would she most want? Like, can you imagine anything better than two loving parents that are in love with each other and connected and present with each other? I can't. Yeah, I, I, I can't. So it's, yeah, it's, it's something that I've, we've, we learned, we learned that, you know, like with that, that life coach for Oprah asking you that or asking your wife that, yeah, you know, it's, I think she was probably also just making sure that you were being present with your wife, you know, because yeah, I, I love my wife. I love my wife, you know, and I, I feel like at times I don't do enough for her to tell her that. So I still try to do little notes and stuff. And it's to a guy, you get a little, oh, maybe like, cause I'm, I think at times I'm kind of like emotionally hardened at times and I have to, she helps open those, mm-hmm. open me up a little bit more. You know, she'll leave me a note. I'll leave her a note. Um, you know, just saying, I love you. Hope you have a great day. You know, and yeah. You've got to do that type of stuff. You, yeah. you, not just as you've got to, you, you have to want to. And it, it comes with time, but yeah. you know, make sure that, that that relationship partnership is there. Yeah. Well, that is, that is really, I think that's a great place to, to stop for today. And yeah. um, Mikey, I just 
thank you so much for reaching out and uh, sharing your story. And it's just, it's been a gift to get to know you. Um, I, I feel less alone in hearing your story and I'm inspired by who you are as a man and a father and a husband. And um, thank you so much for, for having the courage to come and share and uh, all of the small choices um, that led you to being this kind of dad because it could have gone other ways. Yeah, no, no thank you very much for, for responding, you know. Glad that another child of an absent father responded, um, you know, because once I sent, I hit the send button to you, um, I was like, that sounded crazy. That sounded absolutely insane. I'm going back and reading the message. I'm like, I sound like a lunatic. And then I was just like, you know what? I'm, I'm a real person. And I hope, you know, I hope he responds. And you did. And mm. thank you so much for responding and having me on. Um, I really am. I'm glad I'm not alone. I'm glad that there's, I'm glad that there's a community of us that are really strong people that have so much to offer and want to help others. So thank you very much, Rodney. You're welcome, man. You've been listening to the absent father podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I really loved his story. Uh, sharing the ups and downs and the whole experience that he had. Thank you so much, Mikey, for sharing your story in service of others. Again, you've been listening to the Absent Father podcast, where we discuss the impacts of growing up with an absent father and the superhero traits that you learn along the way. Again, please rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to it. That's how it gets shared with others. And remember, you can always reach out to me at www.rodneymuller.com. Head up, heart, heart.